0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Good morning. Uh, Welcome to this session on service work. Uh, My name is Tom, and I am a recovering sexaholic and most grateful to be at this meeting. And uh, I am joined by a co-facilitator. You, sir.
2: My name is Dennis, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic from Alaska. Uh,
1: Each of us will share on our recovery on this topic, our experience, strength, and hope, and then we'll take some time to answer questions, and questions can be taken. uh, They don't actually have an ask-it basket, but on the corner of each of these tables are some three-by-five cards, and some pens. So as we go along, feel free to grab one of these uh, and put down your question. And, and we'll uh, do that after we uh, when we get to the uh, question uh, part of this. Um, in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. And we ask that you please silence all your cell phones, uh, turn them off, set them on silent put them out the door, <laughs> whatever it takes. Um, appreciate that. Uh, if you would open with us with the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Amen and amen. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership or self-supporting thrown own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. In 2008, I was um, planning on attending uh, the Akron Convention. And, of course, like most conventions do, I signed up to, to... facilitate a meeting and many conventions what they'll do is they'll send you the list of topics and they'll say we'll pick one or two and send it on in well what akron did is they sent they assigned you to a um a breakout session and basically they sent an email that said this is what you're assigned to this is the time and if you have an issue go ahead call Well, I immediately had an issue because I was a brand new alternate delegate. And the topic that they assigned me to was get there five minutes early and do something. And of course, being a recovered alternate delegate, don't they know who I am? I should be doing steps, traditions. Come on, what is this all about? But I also had been taught do what you're told. My sponsor tells me things to do. Other people in the program tell me things to do. So I had been taught to do that. So I went to Akron, and I facilitated this meeting. And this meeting was life-changing for me. And this is what I learned. I learned that it's not about what I think I know about service work or anything else. It was all about what are you willing to do. And that's really where service work starts what are you willing to do gentleman comes into a meeting this is my first meeting he needs to have a newcomers meeting and the guy that does the newcomers meeting isn't here am i willing to share my experience strength and hope with this guy and i do that um so service work starts with just a willingness to be of service um I was tempted to bring the big book so I could actually thump it a little bit. So I'm going to paraphrase all of my quotes that I'm going to share that talk about service in the big book of AA that I am uh, are my favorite ones. The one that says, nothing will ensure against a slip more than intense work with sexaholics. Now immediately I think of the newcomer because that's our primary purpose, to carry the message to the still-suffering sexaholic. But as I progressed in different levels of the service structure, believe me, working with sexaholics is intense. Anyone who has been uh, at a GDA meeting to watch that, the General Delegate Assembly, or a trustee meeting, or how about a business meeting at your home group, working with sexaholics is intense. And I came out of every one of those meetings, whatever it might have been, and I didn't act out. It worked. It worked. Um, another one that I like, and I paraphrase this one a lot, and this is how I paraphrase it. I think of my whole program, everything that I have learned, and I think, and this is the quote that I paraphrase, after all is said and done, after everything that you know or think you know about 12-step recovery, our real purpose is to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. That's why we are doing all of this. If you came here to get sober, thank you. You just entered the gate for me. So the question is, are you now willing to fit yourself to be of maximum service to God and the people about you? If you are, we have a design for living for you. (laughs) We have a recovery program for you. Um, As I remember the the first meeting I went to, which of course I've told many times, I, I was not a sexaholic. I was asked to come here by the strong suggestion of the state of California. Um, and I looked around and all the chairs were set up. I figured, well, they'd probably leave it like this. No, somebody actually got there and set up the chairs. Well, that was nice of them. That was actually my first introduction to service work. Somebody got up and Put a chair out for me. Um, service work can begin as simple as the guy that comes in and says, I've only been here a couple of weeks. And the guy next to him says, yeah, I've been here a month. It gets better. Well, you just did service work. You just did serv- service work. But I want to talk specifically uh, for me today about um, the service structure a little bit. Um and how I got involved in the service structure. Uh, it was not my aspiration to be involved in the service structure. Now I had been uh, Secretary of Meetings, sure. Uh Meeting Secretary, I remember the first time I volunteered to Secretary of Meeting, my sponsor at the time was aghast. <gasps> and I said, what? They needed somebody. Oh, okay. <laughs> um he just wasn't expecting that i guess maybe i should have talked to him about it first i've learned to talk to my sponsors before i i usually say yes immediately when somebody asks me to do something and then i say but i'm going to check this out with my sponsor um because he's taught me when somebody asks you to be of service you say yes and then we'll talk about it and if there's an issue we can always change that um so I had no aspirations. I had been secretary. I had been, uh, secretary, I'd been treasurer, uh, chair setter-upper, uh, different things, greeters, all of those things that you see in the service manual that you do at the group level. And I had also gotten involved in intergroup service. Um, now, our intergroup meeting, when I first got into the program, I'm in the Palm Springs area of of Southern California, and we were part of the L.A. intergroup. And so once a month, we would travel 120 miles to go to an intergroup meeting. Well, those of us in what we call the Inland Empire, and this is starts about 50 miles east of Los Angeles, decided, you know, that's... We're pretty big now. Maybe we could be our own intergroup, and after all, we wouldn't have to travel 120 miles one way just for an intergroup meeting. But we were willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's are you willing? You know, what are you willing to do? So we formed our own intergroup, and uh, now I only had to drive 50 miles uh, to an intergroup meeting. But we started our own intergroup, and I served in the intergroup capacity. And we get a call one day, not just us, but other intergroups from our regional delegate inviting representatives from all of the intergroups to come to his hometown because they were looking for more delegates. Nobody in our intergroup wanted to go. I wasn't doing anything that weekend, so I thought, well, you know, I don't mind. I'll go up there and see what's going on. I mean, after all, the region's going to pay for it. Free plane flight, go up to San Jose, which is up near San Francisco. And... At that place, at that point, I learned what it was like to be voluntold. Oh. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you can volunteer. I- I'll be willing to do that. Or you can sit there and wait for somebody to say, you, would you like to do that? Um. All right. So that's when I was voluntold that I was going to be this new alternate delegate. Um, and that's when I was introduced into really, really into the service structure, although I had already been in that. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on uh, you can get learn about the service structure in the essay service manual. If you don't have that service manual, please get a hold of it. The White Book. Touches on a lot of the service positions at group, at group level, at intergroup level. It talks a little bit about other levels of service structure. And remember, we have an inverted pyramid, so the, the more service you do, the lower you get on the pyramid. Um, but the essay service manual talks a lot about service work. Service work really gets its start out of step 12 for me. When it talks about carrying the message to sexaholics. Um, uh, again, immediately I think of the newcomer, which I should. That's what I should do is think of the newcomer, and being able to share one on one. And I'm that type of person. I'm not a real dynamic speaker, uh, although I do share my story from time to time. But that sitting in a corner talking one on one is where where I really I, I love that. Um, that's that's the real connection for me. Um, and so, uh, doing things like that is is what you think of but the other thing the questions that are asked is you know i have a wonderful white book how did i get that white book well we know that roy wrote that but there's a lot of other literature that we have and i know now where that came from we have a literature committee people who are willing to be of service and help write literature um, we have a lot of different committees by the way you don't have to be a trustee nor do you have to be a delegate, nor do you have to be anything to be willing to be a member of a trustee committee. All you need is what I started with. Are you willing to do something? Are you willing to just do something? Um, I have carried that motto with me all of my recovery life. Get there five minutes early and do something. I tell my sponsees when they say, I don't have time to read. I said, do you... I hate this recording. Do you have time to use the facility? Take the white book in with you. Mm -hmm. What? I read Rolling Stone. Oh, I'm sorry, we're not supposed to mention those. (laughs) I read other publications. I said, well, you know, maybe there might be some time in there to read the white book. It works for me. Um, And it's amazing how many spots you say, boy, What a way to get started, reading literature. Um, But it works. Are you willing to do something? That's all it takes to get involved in service work. Um, As I progressed through the service structure, what I finally learned, and, and this is kind of where I'm going to try to wrap it up a little bit, is it's like going to college. You go to college, and they give you all the theory. They give you all of the things that you're supposed to learn. The same thing. I would read the literature, and I would learn about traditions, and I would learn about concepts of service. But it was in service where I got to put those things to practice and learn how to use those things. Sitting in committee meetings, sitting in uh, business meetings at my local home group, or at my inner group, and put into practice the principles of the program, not just steps, but traditions and concepts, those things are invaluable. Bill W. considered the traditions and the concepts just as important as the steps. Uh, So when people say, you know, there's 12 simple principles, no, there are not. There are 36, believe me. There are 36, and probably more than that. But the 36 principles that I think of are steps, traditions, and concepts. I got to put those to practice. So the last part of step 12 instructs me to practice these principles in all my affairs. So what I've learned in service work, not only have I been able to apply that to my recovery, but I've even applied that at my job. At home, who would have thought you know, people say, well, how sober are you? I think you better ask my wife. <laughs> you know, I can tell you, I could lie to you all day long, but she's the one that knows how sober I am, and she doesn't mean about just sobriety. Um, she talks about recovery. It's one thing to be sober, but I believe there's a little section that says sober is not well. I want to be well. Service work has provided me an avenue to practice, the things that I have learned, the principles that I have uh, uh, learned about. And it's just kind of like honed my recovery. Um, God is not done with me yet, that's for sure. Um, I still set up chairs at my home meeting because I get there early. I learned that in 2008, get there early. So I get there early. And if the chairs aren't set up, I'll, I'll set up the chairs. I need to do that. I don't do coffee real well, so I won't do the coffee. Um, one of our members talks about, yeah, I was the coffee guy. That lasts about three weeks, and they asked me not to be the coffee guy. <laughs> Maybe I should be the greeter <laughs> or something like that. Um, so I leave you with that thought for now is, you know, are you willing to get there five minutes early and do something? It doesn't take a lot of knowledge to be of service. You don't have to know or think you know anything about essay, yourself, the big book, how anything operates. You only need to be willing to do something to help carry the message to the still-suffering sexaholic. Sometimes that is just making sure he's got a chair to sit in or she. Please remember, we are open to men and women. Um, so with that, um, I'm going to pass it on to, to Dennis to share a little bit. Um, and thank you for letting me share. Thank
2: you, Tom. All right. <clears throat> Go ahead. Well, thank you, Tom. I want to thank you. I, was, I feel privileged to be here with you today. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I heard early on from a old-timer was that 100% of the people in SA support service work, 2% do it, and 98% support those 2% doing it. So... I did a calculation, we have about 450 people at this conference, and we're at about 2.4% in this yeah. room today, so we're in good company, so thank you for being here. Um, service work is insurance against lust, and that's why I came into this program. Um, when I first got into this program, about day two or so, my sponsor said, I want you to make coffee every day. And the first day I made coffee, I cannot tell you, but I noticed... That I had a better day and lust wasn't as prevalent that day. So I started making coffee early. I'd get there early. Um, every meeting I would go to, we have eight of them in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, and I'd get there early enough to make the coffee because I, I felt the effects of, of being of service. At 30 days, I started leading meetings. At six months, my sponsor, Volan, told me to be the literature chair. A year later, um, our secretary, and then a year after that, for two years in a row, treasure. Um There are as many times my sponsor has voluntold me, I didn't like it, but I did it. But I wouldn't be here today and sober without service work. Service work is that important. Um, <clears throat> when I look at the sobriety token, there's that triangle. It shows you the bottom rung says recovery. That's the 12 steps. The side is unity. That's our 12 traditions. And the other side is uh, service which is our 12 concepts. And i it's like a three-legged stool that if one of those are missing, I'm, I don't believe I'm ever going to make it to what the old-timers have, and that's that essay shine that I see, that peace, that serenity. I want that. I've got five and a half years, and I'm still an infant in this program. I want what they have. And I know without continuing those three sides of that triangle, i there's, I won't make it. I believe that, and I don't want to go back to where I came from. The uh, on page sixty six, and there it's the first paragraph. It's down a ways. It's what we call the death threat paragraph, and it says, "But with the sexaholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, right? The maintenance and growth for me is service work, and without that service work, I don't believe that the maintenance and growth." will continue. So for me, service work is is so important in my recovery. And to me, there's two types of service work. One type is that when life is going good and I'm rocking, feel like God is just rocking me in this program. I'm doing well. I'm doing service everywhere I can. Um, it's keeping me sober and it's helping the maintenance and growth of my spiritual awakening. The other part of service work is when the insanity strikes and it's over the last five six, five and a half years, maybe four or five times the insanity struck to where I really thought, what am I doing here? I'm going to go back out. And in a moment of insanity, uh, I at least had enough program. I worked the program hard enough to make a call. You know, I said a prayer. I'm still going out, made the call. And in one of the cases, and I've suggested because it was suggested to me by an old timer to keep a, a roll of green garbage bags in my truck is that you take a trash bag out and you go to a park and you start picking up trash. You go to the side of the road. So when I was going out, I made a call. One of the guys in this conference called me. He's laughing. You know what I'm talking about. He called me and he goes, Dennis, what's going on? I said, man, I'm just, I'm done. And he goes, do you have a trash bag? And I looked over at the garbage can because he said I had suggested that to him. I said, hang on. So I emptied it out and I started walking around the park, putting trash in there, and we started talking. And about 50 minutes later, I said, Jim, I got like 10 minutes. I can make it to a meeting, buddy. Mm. And my sanity had returned. Service work is truly the way to go. I I love hearing stories, and I do it myself now. If I'm on a plane in the restroom or something, I'll wipe the counters up. If I see a piece of trash on the ground, we walked out of uh, a restaurant yesterday, there was a bag on the ground, I picked it up and put it in there because that's keeping me sober. Service work keeps me sober. Um, I I volunteer uh, in this group, and what Tom had talked about, um i was just I, I wanted to be on the sim committee so i i joined the sim committee and we got to put some good work into that and that keeps me sober and it was so fulfilling cuz i i think the blessing of being in service is i get to hang around guys and gals that are that are deep into recovery and i want what they have and when i listen to them and see how they operate and how they especially in the tough times how their spiritual maturity is there i want that too and i'm not going to get that by being alone, isolated, or going to an occasional meeting. It really does take me engaging because, you know, they say when you see, when somebody has what you want, you do what they do. And all the guys that have what I want, they're all doing service work. So service work for me, it it saves my life. One of the things that I've also learned in, in in the triangle was the unity was, I used to fight for service work, and some of my sponsees even come up and said, Donis, I, I just feel like I'm knocking people down to get to you. I said, you keep going, man. Get that service work. I had one guy with it, we used to make the Friday coffee because I kept showing up too so early. He goes, hey, Donos, can you not make coffee on Friday? And I said, well, our meeting starts at 630. If you're not here by 625, I'm making it, right? Um, being a control freak helps. <laughs> so, But I'd like to read uh, Tradition 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And a part in the 12 and 12 says, the spiritual substance of anonymity is sacrifice, because Essay's 12 traditions repeatedly ask us to give up personal desires for the common good. We realize that the sacrificial spirit, well symbolized by anonymity, is the foundation of them all. It is Essay's proved willingness to make these sacrifices that give people their high confidence in our future. And what I found was that the unity is so, its, it's this fellowship is more important than me because if this fellowship isn't getting healthy, I won't get healthy. There's just no way that's going to happen. So I have been in five and a half years now, so a lot of the service that I've done within my local community, I have stepped back in a sacrificial spirit to allow the the younger guys coming in to start serving in those positions, and they're just growing around me. And uh, tradition one, basically, I'll paraphrase, says, you know, our common unity or like the health of, of our of this group, my personal recovery depends on the health of this group. And so when I can definitely encourage my sponsors, some of them just jump into service. Some of them, you know, when we're in a business meeting and there's an open position, and nobody's fallen. I said, I'll tell them, I think your sponsor would approve of you taking this, you know. And so he'll look and like or I give him the nod like, Yep and okay i'll be the secretary thank you uh my sponsor did that for me and i I was blessed for it so honestly uh service work will keep you sober uh it, it has to go along with the unity and like tom had said i cannot tell you how the traditions has saved me in my marriage i mean because that's all about unity that's about peace and and the service work um one of the things that I said, you know, I do have five and a half years of service. The fight has to continue. And when I say that fight has to continue, it's not to do more, but it's to give up the control to God because if I'm in control, God isn't. And so though a great way to do that is service work. When I came in and, and worked these 12 steps, work the 12 traditions, I'm learning the concepts right now. They're beautiful. Um, my ego is deflated enough that God can come in and reign supreme. And when he's reigning in my life and I'm not in control, um, I start to get glimpses of what these old-timers have, and I want that. I don't want to go back out. When I think about where I came from, I could not find relief. There just wasn't any. My life was in so much pain. And when my brain says, I think I'm going to you know, leave S.A., it's a forgetting disease. Um, but I, the, I, I don't want to go back to that pain. So I really don't have any place to go, but here. This is, and this is the only thing that's ever worked. I've tried everything else. And this fellowship is what is truly, um, keeping me alive. I said, following and practicing these 36 principles deflates my ego enough to allow God to reign supreme in my life. And when God reigns, the essay glow that I see in these old timers can be mine too. And so if I follow the suggestions of my sponsor, I never have to act out again. And that's the beautiful truth and promise of this program. Um I may not like what my sponsor suggests, but I do it. Um And I can, and I have voiced my displeasure to him in a loud, not real disrespectful, but I have did not like it, but I know I've got my marching orders because I, I trust that he's being prompted through a spiritual awakening and, uh, Usually what I find is when I get further down the road and I start sponsoring, kind of say the same things now. I kind of like, oh, you know, the old when I get there, I'm gonna do it differently. No, when you get there, you'll do it the same way. But so I would just um, if you're not in service work, man, I would suggest that you go find just anything. My sponsor the other day asked me when he realized I was still doing something. He goes, like two years later, he goes, Are you still doing that? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, well, why are you still doing that? I said, you never told me to stop. Um, I don't, if I ask him, Hey, am I still supposed to be doing this? Now, for me, that's taking back over the control when if, if I'm not to be doing it, he'll tell me. Um, he doesn't advise me on my day to days, but when it comes to sobriety and it comes to ways to stay sober, I want what he has. I do what he says. And, uh, service work is beautiful. And so I hope to see a lot of you. In those circles, um, you can go, I think it's chapter 12 in the service manual or 13 that lists all the committees. What I did is I read through those committees and some of them just spark like, wow, that's really cool. Like when I read about the H&I, because I wanted to pick another committee and I looked and, and I read through all of them and, uh, you know, okay, I could do this. I could do this. When I read H&I, I thought something inside me said, that's what I want. So I would encourage you to get the service manual, download it. And read through those committees, and you're not in charge of them. You're just going to show up. They might meet once a quarter, once a month, whatever it is, kind of depending on what's happening, and take an active role. And the the beautiful part is is that you get to hang around (coughs) these old-timers that have what I want, and I'm here like an apprentice sort of. I know it's God that does it, but I'm here to watch them fake it till i make it i don't know that i'll ever make it it's up to god but i want what they have so i need to do what they're doing so with that i'll pass back to tom
1: Thanks, <laughs> once again on the corners are three by five cards if you have any questions uh please grab come up grab a card uh pens are provided uh and uh we'll take some questions um or you'll be listening to me ramble. So I'm going to start rambling right now while people grab these. Um, we have a pamphlet, and we also have it in the, the same pamphlet. What is written in that is in the service manual. It's called The Spirituality of Service. Beautiful piece that was put together by our service structure committee. Uh, so I want to share a story with you. During my tenure as chair of the International Convention Committee, What we do is we work with the host committees. Uh, Conventions are put on by local intergroups. with strong suggestions from central office, uh, and the trustee committee of the ICC, the international convention committee. Um, that process many times starts two and a half years, two years before a convention ever happens. And so I was able to follow along with, uh, convention chairs as they put this all together, hotel contracts, uh, programs, all of this kind of stuff. Um, so right after i had taken over as chair i'd been on the committee for a while and i took over as chair was 2013 and we're in 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 baltimore um kay from central office always says see the world become a delegate (laughs) or a committee member or something like that so we were in baltimore and uh I had been, I had been on the committee, but I hadn't worked, I only worked about six months directly with the convention. And, um, at the end of the convention, there's always a wrap up meeting. Basically, it's a tenth step meeting. What worked, what didn't work, that we can pass this on to future conventions. And my wife and I were there, and we got there probably before most anybody did. And we watched a lot of the, the committee members coming in, and there was that sense of, wow. We're done. By the way, they weren't done. We had more for them to do. Um, And the convention chair finally comes in towards the end, and tears, uh, I'm going to cry myself, tears are just pouring down his face. And he's going, oh, my God, what a spiritual experience I've had. And I sat there crying like I'm doing it right now because there was such a spiritual experience that this guy had and many others, and me too, <laughs> in the process of putting on a convention. Um, yeah, it was hard work. There was a lot of, of give and take and how do we do this and on and on and on. And what? We're signing for how much? Um, and fear and all of the things that life gives us. But they came away with a spiritual experience. And I got to share in that. Now, I don't know if any of them are still sober. Well, I know a few of them are, but I am. I got to work with that convention committee. And so, you know, since then, I'm looking at Mark in the audience. I worked with Mark for St. Louis, and yeah, it was interesting. We had a great time, and I I know they had a spiritual experience too. Um, And that's how God works. You know, that's why, that's really why, one of the reasons why I do service Um, I enjoyed what Dennis shared about control issues. Yeah, I've had a few of those. Mm -hmm. But what I got to do is I got to learn how to let go, how to let go of results, how to state my opinion. We all have those. But how to state my experience, my strength, my hope, and say, okay, that's all I got for you. And if they want to follow it, great. And if they don't, I can't. I can't do any more except to share what I've got. Um, sometimes there was a little bit of, well, are you sure you want to take that, not take that suggestion? Um, I remember the first contract we had for, uh, for Newark. The uh, convention chair says, We've got a great contract. We've got a food and beverage minimum of $90,000. And those of us on the committee went, Oh! One of our members says, this has the makings of a financial disaster. So we taught that convention chair how to negotiate a contract. He cut it in half because he was willing to listen to what we had to offer. And he listened, and it was an expensive convention, but he kept saying, well, it was Jersey, and it was the season, and it's – anyway. Um, but this is the stuff that I just love doing um, – because after it's all said and done, everybody gets to hone their recovery just a little bit. They learn to let go. They learn to bring God into it. Um, they learn to face their fears on and on and on. These are the things that p- recovery is all about so that I don't have to act out anymore. I don't have to say, I'm scared to death. How can I medicate this? Now I can say, how, I'm scared to death. Oh God. Please come and be a part of this. Boy, that wasn't what I used to say. And this is some of the benefits of service. So I would encourage you. You know, the service manual is a free download. Some of us may even pay you to get it. I don't know. But it's a free download. If you want a hard copy, that's going to cost you. They have them out on the literature table. But even if you don't get the service manual, get that pamphlet, The Spirituality of Service. Because this is really what it's all about. Um, this is how one drunk can really help another drunk. Um, and with that, uh, any questions, please just bring them up. If you have a question. Right there. Or we're going to... This There's one? right here. Yes.
2: We have two questions. Okay. You want to go? Um, I'll read them and you can... <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Is it necessary to have a certain sobriety to start a meeting in one's town? I fear that due to my frequent relapses in the near past, I would set of despair rather than... What is it? A set tone. I would rather atone? Yeah, set a tone of despair. Okay. I set a tone of despair rather than hope. I fear it. Oh, there it is, atone the arrow. <laughs> okay. Would fail as a return, thoughts. Do you want to take that? or? I'll tell you that my in Anchorage, Alaska... I don't know, eight, ten years ago, we had hardly no sobriety in our city. But we started meetings, and we just kept going. We have a sobriety requirement of 30 days, but if nobody has a sobriety requirement, um, what my sponsor said they did was they focused on the literature a lot. Um, If you're going to start a meeting, which I would highly recommend, that you pray, you find a place, and you you pray and open that up and let God show you what he can do, because he can absolutely turn it. People will come. You guys will have a fellowship. Don't have the fear. Um, because you're not there to talk about the drunken logs. You're not there to talk about the, you know, the disease. You're there to focus on the solution one day at a time. And as you start to build that fellowship, you guys will start to depend on each other and the miracle will start happening. If you focus on that solution that you read in those pages, you get to talk about it. Um, you know, as last suggestion, I would say that, you know, you, Maybe do a book study or something and you guys just start with the big book or the white book and you read through sections of it. Then you share on what you've read. You share your top plates. Um, I heard today at the, at one of the conferences that I loved it, that if you're going to share a top plate or where, you know, lead with your weakness, end with the solution. You know, and I do with my meetings. Um, when I'm rocking it, I come in and just pour out how great that my life is going. And when I'm suffering, I come in and say, "Man, did I get triggered hard, and I about lost everything." I tell the truth, and the more sobriety you get, sometimes that's a fear. I heard somebody else say that too—that you know we have to somehow carry that everything's fine. Well, I think telling the truth is a good thing of where I'm at because that keeps me sober. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about that, Tom
1: i think the only thing i would add is of course it depends on your situation remember where any two or three or more sexaholics are gathered that that is a meeting if you're in an area where there are very few or none meetings yeah by all means that's all you need is a willingness to a desire to be uh, sexually sober and and to uh progressive victory over lust so but at the same time, if you are dealing with issues, then you need some experience, strength, and hope. So if there's other meetings in your area, I would suggest you continue to get some experience, strength, and hope because you can only transmit what you've got. And if you're trying to transmit the solution um, to sexaholism and you're struggling with that solution yourself, you may need to to actually bolster bolster that up a little bit. So, depending upon your situation, um, would be the answer. You look at that from different perspectives. Um, go. go.
2: Yeah. One thing I do want to add is that um, what we're doing in some of our outlying areas is you can buy these little speaker phones off of that you can have and, and Bluetooth to your phones. And what we're doing for people that are just like remotes is they'll buy one and then a couple sober members from around in with the WhatsApp group and stuff we have for the noon group or whichever one you're on. You can actually give out your, your meeting time and you'll have sober members with years of experience that's willing to call in and fellowship with you. You lead it and we'll be there. And so that's another option that you can do.
1: So uh, another question says, is there a way to know which committees need help or members? I'd be eager to uh, be involved, but would want uh, help to know where, uh, want to help where it is most needed. Um, I think the first answer I would say is, where do you feel you fit? you know there are so many different committees it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a lot of knowledge although that is helpful i would i I would not be a part of the it committee (laughs) (laughs) i sit in on those meetings i was talking to the chair uh who's here at the convention and i've learned a lot about it but these are techie people and i'm not a techie people but i sit in because of my service position um and and i uh, get to participate and they have taught me a lot and but i would not volunteer to be on on the internet technology uh mm-hmm. committee I, I wouldn't do well um you know where is my passion my passion first of all has always been conventions i've been on the, that committee since 2008 um in some capacity i chaired it for 6 years um and right i'm still on the committee um because that's my passion um yeah, is is carrying the mas- message through conventions. There are people here this weekend. this is their very first essay meeting. There are people here who have been here for year after year after year, and it's they're part of the family reunion we talk about. and there's people who have been in this program and they've been out doing research and development, and they're dragging their butt back in here at this convention because they want to get back with the solution that's my passion so i would say start where is your passion but in answer to your question yes call central office get a hold of uh of laura um or anybody else tell them whoever answers i'm interested in getting involved in international service and i'd like to volunteer to be on one of the trustee committees um where am i needed and they may ask you, you know, what what are you interested in? So have some idea of what you might be interested in. Um, real quickly, go ahead. The CFC committee reported that they need hundred sponsors for prisoners today. Ah, that is a great spot. And when we when we do that, I'm going to let you take that question and remember what Carleton said. Will that work for you? Yes. Because I think that's huge right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's going to fit into our next question. Um, so that would be, you call central office, find out what is needed, let them know what your passion is, and they will get you plugged in. Um, Delegates and alternate delegates and trustees are automatically part of a committee. Uh, everyone else usually fills out an application. And it's not an application, well, will you please take me in. It's more like we want to get to know you. Uh, what are you bringing to the committee? And if all you're bringing is a willingness to do something, that'll get you in. Um, unless it's the IT committee. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> um you need i can't even understand some of the stuff they're talking megabits and you know moby and all these different platforms and i'm going yeah i know all <laughs> about that so that would be my answer uh, dennis okay i was just going
2: to repeat his question uh, one of the things the gentleman in the back said that um the cfc correctional facility committee are looking for 100 sponsees or 100 sponsors for people that are incarcerated. So, if you have the ability to sponsor and you're willing to, to do that, there, there is a need there. All right, our next question, number one, is Is sponsoring more important than other forms of service work? Um, i.e., chairing meetings, serving as a greeter. I'll just tell you from my own personal experience making coffee was insurance against lust, serving in those other positions. Was insurance and actually it brought about more of a feeling. But when I sponsored the first time, it was the gold. Sponsoring is the gold to be free. So, absolutely for me, um, my sponsor, I wasn't through my 12 steps. Um, The spiritual awakening was happening and people started asking. And my sponsor said, yes, go do it. And um, uh, this is crazy, but I was at like three or four months in the program. And I knew like in about a year I I would like to go and and talk with prisoners. So they had this thing. It's only put on like twice or three times a year where you have to go to a four-hour class. So I went to it, and there was a chaplain there at one of the places, and we talked afterwards, and I said, yeah, I'm an essay. And, you know, when I get maybe a year or two into this program, well, he called me the next day because we swapped numbers. He said, man, I'm just feeling God all over this. I'm like, dude, I got three months. And he's like, yeah, I'm telling you. So I asked a member in my fellowship. I said, dude, I'm not ready. And he says, Dennis, our higher power doesn't prepare the called. He has it go. The higher power doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. Yes. So anyways, I went, uh, he said, I got a guy. He's, he's going to handpick them. The guys that are in there, that are really looking for help, not ones that want to try and get a lesser sentence, but really want help. So I drove to the parking lot. I read working with others while I waited and uh, walked through those doors. And I'm telling you, um, I felt lust every day back then. Um, God protected me as he shared his story because there was no raising my hand. But when I when I walked out of there, I had like a day and a half or two days of no lust. I never felt nothing like it. I couldn't explain it. When I walked out, I thought, oh, my goodness, I was free for two days. Um, And I knew that that was the gold. So um, for me, sponsoring is one of the greatest gifts that I can have. And the reason it's such a great gift is because every sponsor is a little different. And when I'm surrendered and relying upon God totally because I've got nothing, right? He's the power. I'm not there. I always tell him, I'm not your, I don't have any power. And it's amazing that when God speaks, like what comes out, sometimes I'm like, "Oh man, I need to write that down," because it's <laughs> it's not for me. And but it's so beneficial. I honestly get more from sponsoring than they get. So yeah, I, and, and there's healing that happens as I become that channel. So 100% uh, sponsoring for me is is it more important? I can't say, but it definitely is more healing than the other service work. At least that's my experience. If, if I had to do pick one, like Tom said earlier, I'd just take one guy in a coffee shop somewhere or wherever we meet and just let God flow, pass. Mm-hmm.
1: The second part of the question, he has asked two of them, and he says, how could I, a recovered sexaholic, help uh, arouse slippers who relapse instead of the, in spite of the fact that they do a lot of service work. So I would probably, my, what came to mind immediately when I read that is I thought about 193 in the white book that talks about the difference between sobriety and recovery. Um, Roy calls it the sine qua non. I have a little button on my book bag at home that uh, one of the gentlemen, actually it was, I'll name him. It was Bill. He handed him out at a convention once. And I mean it because I really like it because what that means is that Roy talks about without sobriety, there is no recovery. But without recovery, there's no lasting sobriety. Service work is about honing your recovery for me, for me. It keeps me sober. If I have somebody who's struggling with sobriety, well, they're still at the gate and maybe that's what they need to look at. You know, service work can also be detrimental. People get lost in service. That can happen too. They can hide in service. And that's important and that a sponsor will sense that. Usually a, a sponsor will know, you know, there's something wrong here. It's not the service work, it's the attitude about the service work. Maybe your sponsee is hiding. I don't know. That's something for you to, to discover. Um I like this one because this is this is really the start of my my story today it says what to do about everything depends on me attitude and Dennis talked about that too control issues Um what are character defects well the simple answer is there are characteristics that have gotten defective okay so we'll take control issues which when Dennis shared I'm going yeah that's me Um, I have pretty good management skills. Okay. A great characteristic. But I'm a sexaholic. And they always cross the line into control issues. I don't know where that line is. I know it's somewhere. Usually I'm told about it after I've crossed it. Uh, usually it's by my second sponsor who I live with. Um, yeah. That's right. There's another one later on called On Your Side of the Road. <laughs> yeah, I cross over to the other side many times. Um, <laughs> and so getting into service work, I go back to the original story I shared at the beginning. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I should be doing a breakout on traditions. After all, I've been in this program for X amount of years. Um that's not what God had for me. So what has happened for me is that I don't find myself on the other side of that line as often as I once did. Those management skills, which are wonderful characteristics, we all have wonderful characteristics. What means for me when I think about God removing my defects of character, it's helping me to stay on the right side of the things that, that might be good in my life. You know, we learn about, well, what is lust? Well, we, the simple answer is it takes the natural into the unnatural. Well, character defects are really similar to that. For me, it takes the natural, and I always pick on management skills because that's my, that's my biggest hang up. Um, and they move them into the unnatural, which is controlling. And so, through working in service, working in service work, again, practicing all these principles that I've learned, steps, traditions, concepts, um, the result has been God has been able to put me over and keep me, for the most part, over where I belong. And I didn't have anything to do with it. I just did what I was told to do. And my recovery got better. And when I talk about recovery, you know, we always talk about the guy who says, I'm sober, I go home and I kick the dog and slap the kids around, but boy, am I sober. Well, are you really? Um, You know, sobriety is, like I said, the gate for me. It's what gets me into the program. And it's definitely, I got to get sober. But more than that, I've got to stay sober. You know, that was my problem. I could get sober every single time, but I couldn't stay sober. And so... In doing service, this has just been another part of practicing recovery. And I'm, I'm, I remember we shared real quickly at a meeting once and the topic was sobriety versus recovery. And I was so amazed at how many people came up to me afterwards saying, I never knew there was a difference. You know, and they were so glad that they were able to, wow, there's more. Well, yeah, it goes on for the rest of your life. There is more, so um, I. And the second part of that, he says, "If I do this was an example. If I do this uh, act of service, God will do X, Y, Z for me." Um, And like I said uh, a little bit earlier, I think um, my attitude towards service work is um, not not what I am going to get out of this. It goes back to my. Quote from the big book. I need to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. That's what I am told to do. That's the instruction. Yeah, I get a lot of benefits out of it, but that's not, that's not my motivation. And why it shouldn't be my motivation is because if I don't get XYZ, now what am I going to do to motivate me? Now what am I going to do? I've lost my motivation. My motivation is just that very simple quote. How do I fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me? And that seems to be what works for me. Um, I'm going to do that one second here. <clears throat> oh, wait a minute. We, we are like. Thank you. I'm not going to do any of those because, okay, four by golly, we need to wrap this up. Um, and I'm sorry we didn't get to the rest of your questions because there is another meeting that comes in here, and they told us that we had to be very right on schedule. Those, I'm looking at Mark, and he's going, "That's right. Everything's got to be right on schedule." That's part of being the convention, that's for sure. Um, so, with that said, first of all, thank you for allowing us to share with you. Uh, our experience, strength, and hope. I hope you got something out of it. If after the meeting you want to talk with either Dennis or myself, please do. Uh, we'll share some more, um, uh, and we'll go from there. So with that, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of essay are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. And if we could get a circle going, we're going
2: to close... Um,
1: I'd like to do that one. Seven would, step prayer. would that be all yeah. right? And I
2: want to add one thing. Always know as you step into service, there's somebody that's stepping out that's willing to, most times to be a service sponsor for you and help you. Ah, you don't have to. Very good. Yeah, very good. I add that. So we're going to come down there and join y'all. And we're going to do the seventh step prayer. My my prayer. Prayer. I, I am not willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray I that you now remove from me every single defect of character the sands in the way of my, my usefulness to you and my fellows. else. I need strength that I go out from here to before you are be be many. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Work it.